In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the blessed month of Kiyah, I mean, of blessed month of Hatur, which is the month before the month of Kiyah. Um, and during this month, uh, the month of Hatur, the church is speaking to us about the Word of God in preparation for Kiyah, in which we uh, receive, or the world receives, the Logos, or the Word of God, uh, in His incarnation. Uh, and this week, and actually next week, we'll read the same gospel, and it's the gospel of the sower, uh, and this is very familiar to us. The sower who goes out to sow is uh, God himself, and the seed, of course, uh, are his words and his commandments, and the type of ground is our heart that receives this seed. And how is it that the type of ground that's in my heart, how does this receive the word of God? Is it like the um, wayside? where I just listen to something and then as soon as I leave, the world or Satan comes and steals this word from my heart? Or is it like the stony ground that has no root? So I listen to it, when farhan, and I'm very happy when I hear it in church. But then I go out and I step out and it means nothing to me and it doesn't take any root to produce any change in my life. Or is it like the thorns that um, once I hear the word, the cares and pleasures of life choke this word and I can't live by it? Or, of course, is it like the good ground which yields fruit 160 and 30? The idea of the gospel uh, is to see for us, each one to evaluate what kind of ground that I am. Which of these types is it? Um, in response, of course, to God's commandments and His Word. But before speaking about examining ourselves to see what kind of ground we are, we need to understand and know ourselves first. And this is something that might sound foreign to many because it might seem like, okay, of course I know myself. Who else is going to know me? But you'll be surprised how little we know of our uh, selves. And especially nowadays in the age that we live in, there are many challenges to knowing oneself. Um, for example, the social media, which, you know, um, pushes me to get my validation from external sources. So I become, I, I look to myself as valuable and good based on what people and the media say about me. Whether I get likes or I don't like, whether re people repost what I post, all of these things pushes me to get my validation from things that are outside of me. Um, and our constant exposure to like images uh, that are curated and narratives that are being, you know, sent to us in calculated ways, it makes it difficult for us to even contemplate about who I am because I'm busy trying to fulfill who I should be in other people's eyes. Another challenge is the superficial identity markers, meaning what? That, uh, again, we measure each other based on external things. Like we might measure somebody on their appearance. Okay, this is how they're valuable, is by their appearance. By another person, by the current position they have or the job that they have, how much money a person might make. All of these materialistic things are markers in which we measure each other by and thereby I value myself based on what markers that I meet. I have to make a certain amount of money to be valuable in other people's eyes. I have to get some kind of degree to be valuable in, other pe in some people's eyes. So all of these things make it difficult for us to know ourselves because we're chasing another person's or the community's 
um, vision of who I ought to be. Another challenge is busyness and overactivity. Busyness is making yourself busy. I have one task to another, and I make myself so busy, so I have no time to do anything. The most common excuse when they're asked, Yanni, why don't you pray or read the Bible, is what that I'm busy. That I'm busy. Busy with what? Oh, they can tell you a list of things that I'm busy with. This is the first one. The other one is overactivity. And what's the difference? That of busyness, I'm making myself busy with something maybe that's uh, useful or productive. This overactivity, it's like the mouse that's or the uh, the um, hamster that's on the wheel and just keeps running and running and running. And is it moving? No, it's not moving. It's still sitting in the same place, right? It's just going in circles, but it's not going anywhere. The overactivity is like this. Where I go, um, I'm sitting there, and I'm on social media, and I flip through, and I find, okay, I'm going to tell myself I'm going to spend 15 minutes. Three hours later, I'm still in the same spot. The couch is dented because I've been there for so long, and the only thing that is challenged in me is my finger. That's the only thing that hurts, right? So here, this is overactivity. And then when we come and say, I don't have time to pray, it's not because you're busy, it's because you're overactive. You didn't give time for your mind to rest or to think, right? So this overactivity, again, will hinder us from like assessing ourselves and knowing who we truly are. Um, to be honest, I, read, I was reading an article about this, and I'm going to share some of the quotes with you this morning. There's not much any to the sermon, but I kind of try to put it in some kind of structure. But I'm going to read some of the quotes from the early church fathers, and hopefully we can gain any and benefit uh, together. Um, I'll start off by reading just four, and then I'll make a couple of points. Um, St. Isaac the Syrian, what does he say? He says, The man who is worthy to envision himself is greater than he who thinks that he is worthy to see the angels. And he who is considered worthy to see his sins is greater than he who raises the dead with his prayers. So he says, The person who can see his sin is better or more profitable than a person who can raise the dead. We might think of raising the dead as a great miracle, but simply for someone to know themselves and to know where their weaknesses and where their sin is. And perhaps sometimes, you know, we might not realize it, but others might tell us and we'll deny it. But really, the greatest miracle is for us to know and see ourselves, as St. Isaac says. St. Macarius the Great, he says what? The mind that never neglects examining himself and quest for the Lord avails to gain possessions of his own soul, the soul that was in the perdition of the passions, by always offering himself as a captive to the Lord's love with the absolute zeal and strength and by clinging to him only. So he says the person who never neglects from examining himself and searching after God um, against possession of his own soul. You know, if you think about, you know, our life or your life on social media, it's chasing somebody else's, you know, desire for you. You seek the validation from them. So I am following them. So I make myself a slave to the, what the people are saying about me. I'm not free, right? But he's saying here, if I examine myself and I follow the Lord, then I will be free. I will know my own soul. St. Melito, uh, Bishop of Sardis, he says, let your first priority be not to deceive yourself. We can't know my beloved if I'm deceiving myself, if I don't know myself. 
There are many people that can live and deceit and lie to themselves for many years and maybe an entire lifetime. They live a lie, right? And again, the media that we're in, or in the current era that we're in promotes this. All of the ways that we can edit photos and all this AI that's coming to even edit, edit videos. I saw a commercial the other day about some new Samsung phone that you can take like a video and if the people aren't smiling in the video, you can make them smile by AI. And then you're going to post this. But this isn't real. This is fake. Right? So it's encouraging us to live in this fantasy land and wants us to follow it and chase after it. I will never know myself, nor will I know God in fantasy land. I have to be in reality. I have to be in the here and the now. And then St. Augustine says in his confession, in his part of his prayer, he says, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know you. Help me, Lord, to know myself, because only when I know who I truly, who I truly am, then I can really know who you are. So actually, we know God. In order to know God, we must know ourselves. And when we know ourselves, we will truly know God. Um, the first point that I want to make is, uh, is we need to understand, when we try to know ourselves, we need to understand who we are in God's eyes. Who we are in God's eyes. And again, I'll read you a quote from St. Clement of Alexandria. He says, Truly man is valuable in God's eyes because he is his handiwork. When God made everything, he did so saying, Let there be, and he just ordered and it was, uh, and it, and, and so it was. But when it came to human beings, he created him by himself with his hands and he breathed into him. What God shaped was according to his image. Yet he created man himself out of his uh, yearning within himself, unlike the rest of the creatures. So he makes the comparison that when God created us, he created us different. When he created the sun and the stars and the earth, he said, let there be light. And let the waters flow. And it happened. But when it came to us, he didn't just say, he could have said, let there be man. And we would have come up from the, but he said, no. I want to fashion them as I am. So he went and he did it himself. You know, the old saying that says, if you want something right, done right, you do it what? You do it yourself. If it been a, like you want something done perfect and in his image, then I have to do it. So he goes down, takes from the dirt of the ground, and he forms us by his own hand. Right? This is far more valuable. No other creature in the world was created like this. And then nowadays you hear people want to equate us with apes and monkeys and lizards and chicken. Are you kidding me? We were created by God's hand and He only animal or only person that he breathed into our face. Far more valuable. We are created by God and in his image. Thus we are the most valued of all his creation. And if you think about it, he created us last. And he created us in the world that he had already made so beautiful. And he gave us dominion in this world. So he created the whole world and the whole universe and put us in the middle. Right? How special. It's just like, you know, when we, when new, like new parents, when they're usually for their first child, what do they do to get ready for the child? They get the room painted. They get new, you know, sheets and the crib and all of this stuff. And it's such a beautifully decorated room waiting for the arrival of this first child, right? Usually the second and the third, yeah, I might do a little bit, but not as much as the first. Right? Sorry, second and third children. Um, 
So choose you with this first one. What, and we beautify this room. God didn't make a room, but he made a universe for us. And he put us in the middle of it. That's how special and valuable we are in his eyes. So in order to know myself, I need to know how God looks at me. And that's what I need to value, not what people and the world are saying about me, but what does God say about me? How can we care for something that we do not know? You know there's a commandment that God says, the Lord says, and we're all familiar with it. This is the second commandment, second greatest commandment. So the whole you know, message of God can be summarized in two commandments. Number one is love the Lord your God, right, with all your heart, soul, mind. And the other one is like it. What is it? Love. Love huh? your neighbor as yourself. So those three. Love God, love your neighbor, and love what? If I don't know myself, how can I love myself? There's so much depression and anxiety in the world because many people don't know themselves. So they can't love themselves. So they don't value themselves. Right? In order to uh, care for something, we must know who we are. We must know ourselves in order to love ourselves. And how can we know ourselves? Number one, in order to know ourselves, we need divine enlightenment. We need divine enlightenment. In Psalm 18, verse 28, the psalmist says, For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. The Lord will enlighten my darkness, what I don't know about myself. If we attempt to know ourselves, my beloved, without God's light, we will fall into one of two categories. Number one, we will consider ourselves righteous and good and very successful and fall into pride, again for our perdition. Or the second is the exact opposite. We will suffer from destructive depression and despair after we discover how wretched, wicked, sinful, and our inability to help ourselves. We'll fall in one of these two categories. And both are extreme. And both lead to death. Unless we are have enlightened by God, then we have this balance between the two. Where yes, I know I'm a sinner, but I hope in his mercy and he gives me value. And we take this middle way, which is life. His light gives us hope. And we need to pray for this light in order to know myself. There's a beautiful psalm in Psalm 139. The whole psalm is very beautiful, actually. Um, and I recommend us, you know, whenever... Um, we're trying to know ourselves before we examine ourselves, we can pray this Psalm 139. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So we ask God to search me because he knows my anxieties more than I know my own anxieties. I can't tell you how many times I asked somebody, why did you do this? Or why did you do this? I don't know. And maybe as if the first, when I asked this question, is the first time they even began to think about why they did this action. But this is exactly what knowing oneself is. is to know what's the motive behind my decisions, by my actions, my words. What is going on inside of me? Why am I so angry towards this person? Why am I so fallen for this person? Why do I allow this person to take advantage of me? Why don't I respond to God's calling? What's the purpose and meaning of my life? Why am I here? What does God want from me in the midst of this world with 7 or 8 billion people that are in it? All of these questions, we need to know ourselves. 
You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says that God won't allow us to be tempted beyond measure. So did we think about this? Did we say to ourselves, Lord, I don't know which temptations I can overcome, nor the trials before me, but I hope in you that you will not allow me to be tempted uh, beyond measure. We don't know. Many of the martyrs, maybe the 21, if we asked them before uh, they were martyred on the beaches of Libya, would you be able to be a martyr? All of them would probably say, no, I don't think my faith is that strong. But God saw something different. And he put them in this trial and they were able to remain faithful. Right? So sometimes we don't even know ourselves. It's enough that he knows us and he guides us. His light allows us to maintain this balance in a healthy way. Secondly, to know ourselves, we must judge ourselves regardless of how uncomfortable that's going to make us feel. It will make us uncomfortable. When we accuse ourselves, it makes us uncomfortable. When we accuse others, it makes us happy. It makes us feel validated. But we need to accuse ourselves and judge ourselves. Look what St. Paul tells us. He says, For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And notice here he says judge, he doesn't say condemn. Listen to what St. John Chrysostom says about this verse. He says, He did not say if we have punished ourselves or if we have took retribution from our souls. But rather, he said, if only we would desire to realize our rebellion and judge ourselves in truth and condemn those things we did as a sinful way, we could have gotten rid of the punishment in this world and the next. Whoever condemns himself gains God. He benefits in two ways. First, he acknowledges his presence his, his present sin, and secondly, he will be cautious in the future. But he said, when this verse, he didn't say that he punished himself. No. He says, all it was good enough that we recognize our rebellion and we don't desire to go in this life anymore. And when we do so, we gain two things, uh, acknowledge our present sin and the caution for the future. And this happens. How many times have we come and we're tempted with something? And especially if somebody is consistent in their confession, they might tell themselves, I don't want to tell Abuna this, so I'm not going to do this. So this, of course, and this is part of the beauty of having, uh, being accountable to a father of confession. But can we do, do we do this with God? Do we do this with God? Do we ever say, you know, I'm not going to uh, do this because God is going to see me? This is far more valuable than not doing something because Abuna, I have to tell Abuna, right? We need to judge ourselves when we self-reflect. And we need to do so, one, with honesty. We have to be real and honest with ourselves. And number two, it needs a quiet and attentive mind. I come and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to examine myself as I'm falling asleep. Because your examination will turn into a dream. And you won't know the difference when you wake up, Right? But so we need to examine ourselves when we're attentive. After we pray. How about riding in the car in silence? No one's on their phone. No one's listening to something. Just in silence. Spend a few minutes on your way home thinking about how my day at work was, how my day at school was, who I spoke with, why was I behaving this way. And when somebody cuts me off and I get angry and I might say something I shouldn't, what's the big deal? Why am I like this? Right? This is knowing ourselves. Number three is care for yourself and not your belongings. 
Saint Basil comments in uh, uh, regarding a, a verse from Mark chapter eight. He says, "For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul?" Saint Basil comments on this, and he says the following: The Holy Scriptures cautions you about the importance of caring for your soul, not about the body or the matters related to the body, such as health, beauty, lusts, and the long life. Likewise, you should not give much importance to wealth, glory, or power, or such matters related to the earthly life. Rather, you should care about your soul above everything else, for she is your most valuable treasure. Decorate her with virtue, purify her from sin, and adorn her with the beauty of moral excellence, which is more magnificent than all other ornaments. Meditate deeply on this thought. Because the body will decompose, but the soul is eternal. How beautiful is this? Do we consider instead of, you know, uh, not instead of, but rather than spending so much time and effort and money and all of this to decorate our homes, for example, but how about um, spend some effort in decorating my soul with virtue? It's much harder, for sure, but it's all worthwhile because all the things we spend on material things will all pass away and all fade. But how we decorate our soul will be the way in which we are glorified before God in heaven. Lastly, really quick, just some points about how we can know ourselves or what can we do to aid to know ourselves. Number one is to ask God in prayer, as we said. Number two is schedule some quiet time. Time where everything is off. The phone is off. There's nobody with me. I'm by myself. Just some quiet time with you and yourself and God for you to sit and consider and judge yourself, avoiding any distractions. And this is, I think, the number one tool today with, of the enemy is distractions. And it's sometimes not the enemy, it's us. We can't stand silent, so we find a way to make ourselves distracted. But I challenge you to not be distracted. Okay? Number three is to examine yourself honestly. And again, it takes humility. St. Gregory of uh, Nyssa, he says, Humility is the foundation of self-knowledge. As we embrace virtue and humility, we align ourselves with the divine image within us. So we need to examine ourselves honestly, and it takes humility. It takes humility. Humility is not accusing ourselves falsely, but it's thinking of ourselves truly. We are destined to dust we shall return. St. Paul, when he says of himself, the chief among sinners, he wasn't just saying this, or just he's just not saying this just for the sake of saying it because it sounds nice and it sounds humble. He believed it because he used to kill the Christians. When he considered where he was, he says, it was because of the grace of God I am what I am. But he considered it as such a loving act of grace and mercy from God that he just made him a Christian. He saved him from this way of life. Do we do the same? Number four is judge ourselves, uh, as I said. And number uh, five is care for your soul. Care for your soul. Give the time. Give the investment. Don't spend all the time looking at stocks and how to invest your money and all of this. And we don't spend any time investing in our souls. Invest in your souls. And lastly, hope in God. Let him be your light. Through him only can we have this balance in our life. We're not either, uh, you know, falling into despair and accusing ourselves too much or giving ourselves a free pass and giving ourselves excuses and being filled with pride. We need his enlightenment. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.